0: Take your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter number 12. We'll take up our offering at the end of the service. Please don't let me forget, Brother Barley. I might just forget to do that, and that would be very unbaptist of me to forget to take up an offering, right? Romans 12. Are you there? Say amen. Amen. Verse 1 I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We're gonna stop right there because that's as far as we're gonna get tonight in this verse. I want to preach for a little bit on this thought, your reasonable service. Lord, help us tonight as we plow through this verse, dissect it, take it apart. May you open our hearts and our minds, and Lord, may you help us tonight in some areas and help us to grow in grace and knowledge and be instructed in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Very familiar passage of scripture. If you have never committed Uh, Bible verses to memory, you should start with these verses right here, Romans 1. and while you're at it, go ahead and memorize chapter two. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Those are some great verses to underline, memorize, meditate on. Tonight, we're gonna just take verse number one. I'm gonna tell you how we got to this message. For several days, I have been mulling over uh, preaching a message on service and just being a servant and service in general. I almost preached tonight on, um, on, on on a satisfied servant. I preached. I wanted to preach tonight on a successful servant. I wanted to just preach tonight on what it means to serve the Lord. And then this verse came to mind because I was just doing a word study looking at the word service. You see the word pop up a lot in Paul's writings. He talked about it in Ephesians, talked about not with I service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God, from the heart, and he goes on down and uses the word service there again with goodwill, doing service as to the Lord, not to men. He talked about it in several other places, and that word service, I just, it just kept molding around in my mind, and, and I, I came over to Romans 12, and then I just, I thought, well, we could preach on the satisfied servant, we could preach on uh, the successful servant, or we could just preach on your reasonable service. Seems like we live in a day and age where people wanna do as little as possible to get by. Amen. We got students. That as long as they, long as they can make a C minus, they're happy. I'm not looking at anybody in particular. I'm just seeing who was squirming when I said that. If they can just pass the class, they're fine. And uh, I, was, I was, I was, I was reminded today. It was, it was at the police graduation. Uh, the major that was standing up and making all the announcements, he was he was bragging on the class of, of graduates and he said that their average of the whole class was like 94 point something. That's a really high average. And by the way, because of COVID, their police academy turned into 365 days of police academy to the day, the year today they started and then they graduated a year later and uh, he was talking about how much studying and how many tests and how many exams and how many quizzes and and all the things they had to do. 94 average, that's a pretty good average. That tells me somebody's putting forth some effort. It seems to me that Christians, when it comes to the Christian life, they wanna do as little as possible and still be a Christian. And man, when you read Romans 12, chapter uh, chapter 12, verse number one, what a lot of people thinks unreasonable God says it's just reasonable. They say so God's demands are unreasonable. Uh, Newsflash, God's the one that gets to define what's reasonable and what's not. <laughs> we don't get to weigh in on whether or not God's demands and God's expectations fall in the reasonable or unreasonable category. Whatever God says, that's what we have to go with. And so as I begin to look at Romans 12, one, I just thought to myself, and if we could just get everybody that saved, serving God on the reasonable service level, man, we'd have an amazing church. We could turn this city upside down for God. Dundalk wouldn't know what hit them if every born again believer sitting in this uh, uh, church tonight was just doing what God said was Reasonable service. Y'all ready to dive into this? Put your bib on, get your fork out. We're fixing to go to eating. all right? Three things by way of introduction that I wanna notice at the first part of verse number one. I want you to notice the people of Paul's plea. Paul is pleading with a specific group of people. Who are they? Brethren. I beseech you therefore, Brethren, that ye, he's talking to a specific group of people. Paul understands his audience. He's targeting born again believers, his brothers and sisters in the Lord. If you're saved, and I know I'm saved, we be brethren, amen. Black, white, yellow, don't matter. It don't matter if you're American or or, or from India or China or Japan, if you're saved, we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. Great big family. Amen. That's the common denominator. And it's interesting that Paul in Romans 12:1 is not talking in his mind, he's not addressing a bunch of rookies or new converts. If you go back with me to chapter 1, turn back with me quickly to chapter 1. I just want to show you something. Because this is this adds weight to Romans 12:1. When Paul said. In, verse, in chapter number one, in verse number seven, he says, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, all right? Look at what he says in verse eight. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, or y'all, that your faith, watch this, is spoken of throughout the whole world. This isn't new converts he's talking to in Romans 12. He's talking to people who has a worldwide impact already. Huh? What about that? I mean, he's talking to a group of people whose testimony of salvation, their faith, already has resonated around the world. And Paul's writing to the book of Romans to these Christians at Rome. And you get over to chapter number 12, and he says, brethren, talking to you, those of you that are saved, people of Paul's plea. Not only do we see the people, but we see the passion of Paul's plea. It starts out, I beseech you. Boy, that's a strong word. Yes, that word means to pray, to entreat, to admonish. It means a strong desire. Paul used that word often in his writings. It means I beg you, I implore you. You can almost picture Paul down on his knees with his hands like this, saying, I beseech you. Brethren, he's passionate about what he's fixing to say. This isn't just some uh, off-the-cuff remark. This isn't just filler words. This isn't just sentences to fill up the parchment that he's writing. Paul's passionate about what he's about to say. He used that word beseech in Ephesians 4. In verse number one, when he said, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called." When it came to the Christian life, Paul was passionate about people taking it serious. We see the people, we see the passion. Thirdly, we see the provocation of Paul's plea. By the mercies of God, this, the the mercies of God was the motivation, the incentive, the provocation behind Paul's passion to tell the church at Rome to live for God. He was passionate because of the mercies, plural, not singular. Boy, the mercy of God, that'll preach for a month. But he used the word mercies. I've seen that word a few places. I think in one place the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Mercies upon mercies. Not singular, but plural. And here's what Paul is saying. Paul says when you and I take a minute and we reflect on the mercies of God, it ought to stir us to the point to where we're now properly motivated to a reasonable service. God's definition of reasonable service. Is anybody still with me? I tell you, when you, think about the mercies of God. I think about it every day. I hope you do as well. I hope you thank God for His mercies. If every one of us had what we deserved, we'd be in hell tonight with our back broke. Talk to somebody the other day about losing salvation. If I could lose my salvation, I'd have lost it a bunch of times. I'm talking about God's mercy. We don't deserve it. That's right. That's right. It's not a, it's not a laughing matter, it's a serious thing. The mercies of God When you and I get to thinking whether or not we want to go all in for God, whether or not we want to pay the price, whether we want to really go that far, whether we really want to meet God's quote-unquote unreasonable demands, why don't we get properly motivated? Why don't we get provoked by the remembrance of God's mercies that he's demonstrated in our life? Hey, anything he asks of us is reasonable. When you take into consideration the mercies of God, that he has shown upon us. How could we ever look at God and say, I can't do that for you. I can't, I, can't, I can't answer that request. I can't meet that expectation. When you understand his mercies, we ought to be willing to do whatever he asks of us. Jumping into this reasonable service. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, write this down. Number one, reasonable service is presented. Is presented. It's not snatched away from somebody. It's not a hog tying somebody. It's not forcing them. It is willingly offered of their own free volition that ye present your bodies. It indicates that this is done out of one's own desire for God. You present it. And as far as I can tell, if I read the verse correctly, it's reasonable for you and I to present our bodies. Our bodies. I thought about preaching a series on this, but I'm gonna try to shove it all in here tonight in this one message. He didn't say present your spirit or your soul because he's already got that. Secondly, not only does he already have it, but if you made a decision with your spirit or your soul, it might be hard to show. But when you present your body, everybody will see it. Pastor Shiflett, I know what you're preaching on now. You're fixing to get on our bodies. You're fixing to get on our outward appearance. And God said that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. I know what God's word said. And I also know that he said for us to present our bodies a living sacrifice. That means if you and I are meeting God's demand and expectation of reasonable service, anybody that sees us ought to know it. Right. Well, it's my body, I can do what I want to. Uh, if you're saved, you're bought with the price, you just didn't read the fine print. Ye are not your own, but you've been bought with the price. Therefore glorify God in your body, which is God's. <laughs> your body belongs to him. That means he gets to tell you how to look. Come on now. He, he, he gets to tell you what to wear and how to dress. He gets to tell you what you can do with your feet and your legs and your hands. And I'm just going ahead and tell you young people something, a dancing leg and a praying knee don't go on the same leg. Dancing feet and praying knees. Some of y'all ought to be writing that down right there. That's good stuff. Dancing feet and praying knees don't go on the same leg. I'm sorry, appendage. It's my body, I can do what I want to. Are you saved? Let's go back and ask that question. Are you saved? Are you saved? If you died right now, would you go to heaven? Y'all quit talking and playing back yonder, stop. You're distracting me. Our bodies, our bodies belong to him. That means when people see us, they ought to know. They've presented their body. They're not walking around in chains. They're not walking around forced. They're not being made. They're doing it because they want to. I drink all the beer I want to. I just don't want to. I smoke all the cigarettes and dope I want to. I just don't want to. I go to all the parties that I want to. I just don't want to. Hey, I'm not in chains now, I'm free. I was in chains before I got saved. Amen, been saved since 1976. Never had a desire to taste alcohol. To God be the glory, never one drop of alcohol is passed through these lips right here. That don't make me something special. I'm just telling you right now, I drink all I want to. I just don't want to. You say you're saved, you got a drinking problem, you need to get in the altar and get right with God. Something ain't right. If we've got the same Father, if we've got the same Heavenly Father, hey, he won't let me do that. Where are we at? It's presented. In Exodus chapter number 21, if a servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him into the judges. And he shall bring him to the door or under the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. Hey, he's there because he wants to be there. He's serving his master because he wants to. It's reasonable for you and I to present our bodies to the Lord. Amen. Well, that went over Preach. like a lead balloon. Reasonable, it's presented. It, he's already paid for it. That's right. He's already bought you. Yes, sir. Yeah. Present your bodies. Yes, sir. Well, it's reasonable if it's presented. Number two, present your body a living sacrifice. Write this down. It's reasonable if it's perpetual. It's not just a one-time thing. See, that's almost an oxymoron, living sacrifice. When we think about sacrifice, we think about killing something and putting it on an altar or putting it on an altar and shedding blood everywhere and and they're sacrificed. But he said, present your bodies a living sacrifice. This isn't just a one-time sacrifice. This is sacrificing all day, every day for the rest of your life. That's what he's talking about. Living sacrifice is contrasted with the concept, our concept, of a sacrifice. God's not asking you to die for him. He's asking you to live for him. That's a whole lot harder. Takes a whole lot more commitment to live for him than it would to die for him. There's no end to the sacrifice. A one-time sacrifice is unreasonable. A living sacrifice is reasonable. You see see how cockeyed we got with this whole thing? Pastor Schiff. I don't know about this sacrificing. I don't wanna be a Christian if it's gonna cost me. Well, it's gonna cost you. That's gonna cost you a whole lot more to serve the devil, trust me. He will chew you up and spit you out. He'll ride you hard and put you up wet, friend. You can mark it down. The devil don't know what it's like to go easy on his children, amen. He'll, he'll ruin you and scar you and mar you, but it's gonna cost you to serve the Lord. Right. Yeah. And God says, you know what? I don't want your body just on Sunday morning. Yeah. Lord help us. I don't just want your body at the teen events. I don't just want your body at a church function. I want you to present your body a living sacrifice. That means you are dying to self all day, every day, right. perpetual. Yes. And God said, that's reasonable. Right. I know a lot of Christians say, Preacher, you're being unreasonable. I'm not being unreasonable. God said it's reasonable to present your body a living sacrifice. Right. Amen. Well, I can squelch. What I want to do long enough to go to church at Calvary, I can take my want to's and my desires and all of my preferences and all of my convictions or standards or lack of them and I can stick them all off over here on the side and I can go along with everybody for a few hours a week but don't expect me to live like that all week long. God said to do that is reasonable. Reasonable, come on now y'all say amen, I'll just keep going. If you stop saying amen, I'm gonna back up and hit that stump again. Doing the minimum is not reasonable. If it's not sacrifice, it's not reasonable. What's your salvation cost you? What does your Christianity cost you? Let me put it that way. Salvation's free. Well, what's your Christianity cost you? And I'm glad salvation's free. I just stood right up there just a few minutes ago and thank God that my salvation was by grace, through faith, plus nothing, minus nothing, because if it wasn't, I'd be going to hell right now. Ain't none of us in here good enough to be saved. We're not good enough to earn salvation. All of our righteousnesses, Isaiah says, all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in the sight of God, the best you and I could do to God is repulsive, It's repugnant, and he saved us by grace, through faith, Salvation's free, but your Christianity is gonna cost you something. So my question to you tonight is what has your Christianity cost you? It's reasonable, God said, for you and I to make sacrifices all day, every day, present our body all day, every day. Flesh says, I wanna do this. And you say, no, I'm not gonna do that. That's not, that's not what God wants me to do, I'm not gonna do that. you just don't understand, they call and invite me to these things. Well, you're really doing a poor job living it if they're still calling you and inviting you. They don't call and invite me. Amen. I'm, they're not gonna call and invite me. In fact, if I show up, they all leave. They all leave or hide. They don't, they, they don't want to see me there. I've gone soul when knocked knock on somebody's door and they're like, oh my goodness, you came at the wrong time. <laughs> Never forget when I was in South Carolina, I would go out with the Spartanburg County Sheriff's Department. They had, they had a SWAT team went out, it was a TAC team is what they call it, TAC team. They'd go out and enforce underage drinking. You won't talk about fun. <clears throat> We'd go to Denny's about 11 o'clock and eat and they'd go out there and suit up, put on all their gear I'd have on my suit and tie. They'd all have on their tack gear and bulletproof vests, have their guns and everything, all, all swatted out. And we would go to where they would say they're having a party over here at this college housing. Midnight, one o'clock, there's a, there's, there's a lot of noise over there. So we'd go over there and knock on the door. Excuse me, sir, there's been some complaints. Is, is everything okay over here? The guys sitting there going, Ugh. Well, then you won't mind if we just take a quick look in the house and we'll just get right out. We just want to make sure everything's okay. Yeah, come on in. We go in. There's people in the showers, under the beds, in the closets. There'd be 20, 30 people hiding in that house. And they'd see me in that suit and they'd say, who's he? Brother Danny would say, he's with Interpol. <laughs> the next house we'd go to, they'd say, it's Homeland Security. They said, now, you know it's bad when we have to get him out of the bed. Boy, they'd be looking like this. Couldn't believe how many of those 15, 16, 17 year old girls with their little mini skirts on, drunk as a skunk, in a house full of 23, 24, 25 year old men that was sober as a judge. Well, we showed up just in the nick of time. We'd say, you got two options, we can arrest you and take you down to the police station. Or you can get on the phone right now and call your daddy and tell him to come get you and they'd say arrest me and take me to the police station. Don't call my daddy, whatever you do. My daddy's a pastor of this church. My daddy's a deacon at this church. My mama plays a piano at that church. Whatever you do, please do anything, but don't make me call my parents. Brother Danny said, I believe, I, I believe I'm gonna get you to call. Them. Unbelievable. Church kids, Christian school students, Sunday school girls, youth choir girls, And their little skin tight, mini dresses, drunk as a skunk on a Thursday night in a house full of sober men. And they'd cry, their mascaras running down their face. They were shaking like that right there. Oh my goodness, they'd rather get electrocuted than call their mom and daddy. And they'd be sitting over there crying. Brother Danny said, Preacher, you're up. And I'd go over there and I'd say, listen, I'm not with Homeland Security. I'm Pastor Schiffer from Pleasant View Baptist Church, and you girls are in a world of trouble. You know that. Yes, sir. I said, why'd you come out here tonight? Oh, we just want to have fun. I said, are you having fun yet? No. <laughs> oh said, no, the devil sold you a pack of lies, didn't he? devil lied to you again, didn't he? Are you having fun yet? It's a good thing we showed up when we did or you might be expecting about this time next week. Having a baby here in just a few months? You 15 years old, 16 years old, still in high school? Oh, I can't live the Christian life. It's too hard. Is it as hard as it is right now? Because I've been saved almost 45 years and I ain't never had a night this hard. Is everybody still with me? Christian life, there's a little bit of a cost, but nothing like what the devil is gonna cost you. Where are we at? Number three, I'm hurrying. I thought there for just a second I was at a youth conference. Forgive me. Present your body as a living sacrifice. We see a reasonable sacrifice is presented. Secondly, it's perpetual. Thirdly, it's pure. Present your body as a living sacrifice, comma, holy. Holy. Well, that's a word very few people understand. Holy, clean, pure. I wanna be a holy man. You ladies ought to want to be holy, ladies. You young people ought to want to be holy. Now, it's not going to make you popular. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that people's going to laugh at you for even trying. They're going to think you're nuts. They're going to think you're a thuddy duddy. They're going to think you're a screwball. They're going to think you're a weirdo if you try to be holy. And it's funny, you can take about 15 teenagers, 14 of them wanna be holy, one of them don't, and the one that don't can make about 12 of the 14 second-guess whether or not they wanna be holy. But that's what God's asking for. Holy, it's an absolute requirement when presenting your life as a living sacrifice. Oh, by the way, that's just reasonable. Preacher, you're, you're asking me to live a holy life in 2020, that's just unreasonable. No, it's not. It's your reasonable service. You want to be saved and go to heaven when you die and live like a lost person your whole life. That's unreasonable. That's unreasonable. Where are we at? Malachi chapter number one, verse number 10. Who was there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? neither do you kindle fire on mine altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts, neither will I accept an offering at your hand. We're talking about presenting your body a living sacrifice holy. He says, for from the rising of the sun even to the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles and every place incense shall be offered unto my name and a pure offering. God wants a pure offering. Everywhere we go now, everybody's talking about no contact. They're so delusional about the no contact that they put plastic over the computer keys so that when they touch them, in their mind, they don't think they're touching them. And they're touching these little plastic keys and I'm like, why don't you just take that piece of junk plastic off and touch the real key? It's the same difference. We, we was going to go celebrate Spencer's graduation with some of his graduation buddies. We went in the restaurant and they said, "They said, oh, you, you can't sit but six at the table, six at the table. Said, we say, well, there's seven in our family. Marissa had to work, she couldn't be there. There was seven of us. Well, six of y'all could sit together. And I was like, I didn't even know COVID could count. <laughs> Apparently, if you're in groups of six or less, COVID's like, no, can't go over there. But if there's seven, they're like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna get them over at this table." When there's 15 of us, and you want to put us at four different tables, we all came in here together. We all rode in here together. We all lived together. Yeah, but we don't. We're doing the. We're doing. We care about you, so we're doing the no contact. I'm sick of that. I wish you didn't care about me so much. Just let me live my life. Everybody's like. Touch one thing, <laughs> and And everybody thinks that's just the greatest thing in the world. And then when God says, touch not the unclean thing, they're like, well, that's being unreasonable. God says, remain unspotted from the world. And they're like, oh, goodness gracious, what does he expect? He just expects a holy, pure offering. That's what he expects. And that's not unreasonable. Come on now. He says, a pure offering, for my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye have profaned it, and that ye say the table of the Lord's polluted and the fruit thereof, even his meat is contemptible. And you said also, behold, what, is, what a weariness it is What a weariness it is to bring pure offerings. Lord, you're just asking so much of us. You've snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts, and you brought that which was torn, and the lame, and the sick, thus you brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, saith the Lord? I want a a holy sacrifice. You're bringing me, you're bringing me roadkill. I want, I want the lambs without blemish. I want the heifers that are without spot, without blemish. You're bringing me stuff that's crippled and lame and diseased and, and got, got bugs all over them and scabs all over them. You're bringing me that. God said, I don't want that. Right. I want a pure, holy offering. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, Number four, write this down. I'm done. He says a reasonable service is presented. It's perpetual. It's pure. And fourthly, it's pleasing unto the Lord. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto the Lord. That word acceptable literally means, look it up, it means well-pleasing to God. Makes him smile. When you bring him, your body, a living sacrifice, motivated by his mercies, stirred by his love and kindness, and you present your body as a living sacrifice every day, all day long, holy. You know what God said? That's what I'm talking about. And he said, you know what? Before you get too excited, about being a super-duper Christian, that's just a reasonable service. That's what everybody should be doing. Leviticus twenty two twenty. but whatsoever hath a blemish, that shall you not offer, for it shall not be acceptable for you. What about that? Romans 14, Paul said in verse 16 down to verse number 18, let not then your good be evil spoken of for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost for he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God. Reasonable service. He says, you know what? That's acceptable. God says, "I, I believe I'll take that. When we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, every day, God says, yeah, I like that. That's what I want. That's what I expect. That's just reasonable service. That's not super Christianity that you can't get your hands on. That's just basic, reasonable service.